Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Sela Fellowship podcast of our Wednesday services. Please open your Bibles as we dive into our study this evening. Um, today we have 13, I believe, of our Ignite interns who have just been out on the field for the last six months. Um, they're back. They've been here for about uh, two and a half weeks, week and a half-ish, and they will be here with us till the end of the month. But um, they are going to be sharing with us about five minutes each. Okay, We've got stop clocks on both sides in case you only look to one side. Um, and I told you you were going... By number, but we're actually drawing your numbers one by one. So, the first person who's going to come up and share with us tonight is number seven. Number seven. Okay, as you guys come up, please uh, state to us your name and where you spent the last six months. All right, Daniel? I can leave it? Okay, just want to make sure. Hi, so my name is Daniel McClure, um, and I was on Team Uganda. And, uh, yeah, I remember about nine months ago, my mom came up to me. It was uh, a busy day at school. I was really tired, exhausted, just wanted to go inside. And my mom came up to me, she looked at me, and she said, Hey, Daniel, what do you think if you went to Ignite? I'm like, I would never in the world go to Ignite. And here we are today. Um, so yeah, Uganda was an amazing adventure, I would say. It was one of the most challenging places I've been to. Um, and I would say that um, for I was there in Uganda, but I wasn't truly there. Um, that was something that I personally struggled with, um, in which I was, during the first four months, I was just very bitter and very upset that I'm like, why, God, why would you want me here in Uganda? Out of anywhere else, I could be home, doing things, getting a job, doing all these things, preparing for graduating from high school. I'm still a senior, still, but um, <laughs> still. But then I remember um, the fifth... Uh, the end of the fourth month, um, my leader Joe and Chris Anunziato came up to me and they're like, hey, we would like you to help um, as a teacher's assistant in middle class. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, that sounds fun. So first day, we go to um, Cross Street. We all take a photo first day of school wearing some nice button-up shirt. And I go into the class and um, I went in. I met the teachers and I just started helping. And I'm like, what can I do to help? And they're like, here you go. And they gave me this book, and they gave me this pen. And they told me to start making lines. And I'm like, lines? You want me to make lines in paper? Don't we have a, a printer or anything? But I didn't say that, but anyway. So I just did that. And for the first week I was doing that, I'm like, God, I'm in Uganda. I love these kids. I really don't want to be here. What's the point of making these lines? And then the next day... Um, one of the teachers, Teacher Harriet, came up to me 
And she said, you are such a blessing and you're such an encouragement. And thank you for going out of your way to come to Uganda and serve. And that impacted me so much um, and showed me that, you know what, um, that it's not just about um, that people truly care what you do. And it brought me to this verse in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. It says that he, is, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. And those next two months were the most amazing months I've ever had in Uganda. And the Lord really opened my heart for the people of Uganda. And I just got to pour into this classroom and to be a teacher's assistant and to just um, love on these kids and share the love of Jesus with them. And those were some of the most amazing months. The first four weren't good because I didn't fully surrender. But the last two were an incredible time that I will never forget. And um, I think Uganda just taught me that people, I love the quote, people don't know. I think Pastor Austin said it. I'm butchering it a lot, though. Um, People don't know how, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that was really something that I learned. And yeah, I love Uganda so much. And I pray, Lord willing, if the Lord calls me to go back someday. So thank you. All right. Next up. Got to remember not to put. Nice. Nice, beautiful picture here. All right, number two, since you're not all as tall as Daniel. Zoen. All right. Well, good evening. My name is Zoen Harold, and I served in Uganda for six months. And while I was there, the Lord, you know, did a big work in my life. And I, uh, I just really came to love those people. And... Um, Something that the Lord spoke to me in Uganda that will speak, that will be with me forever is uh, John chapter 17, verse 17. And it says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And um, it just laid the foundation for my Christian walk with the Lord and and just um, how important the word of God is and what it does in our lives and um, how it's going to impact my life, not only going to turn turn me into that person that he wants me to be, but it's going to allow me to be set apart for, for him to do his work. And, uh, yeah, you sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And it just made me realize that the Bible and the word of God is what's going to set me apart and keep me away from the world. And, you know, turn me into that, that person that, you know, I think we all desire to be like Christ every day and that's, what's going to do it. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, Definitely after that, just the Lord just gave me an even bigger hunger and thirst for the Word of God. And I, uh, <laughs> I'm so grateful for that because it's like I cherish that because it's the best thing ever. And uh, so that's what God did amongst a lot of different things. But um, that is one thing that will forever be with me and that I believe God brought me there to do. Um, so... That's all we got. <laughs> the Word of God. You want to 
come up and do this? Okay, we... We, uh, we, we weren't sure, so we jumped in. All right, Jesse, number one. I think that'd be pretty easy to say. Uh, yes, my name is Jesse. I went to Uganda, and I almost died. <laughs> But I'm seriously, I'm so glad to be here. And um, like Zone said, you know, we learned so many things. And um, what the Lord did over there is that you can't even put in into words. You can't begin to start talking to people about what he did and uh, what he showed you. Um, but for me, um, I'll just start actually before I even got saved. My scripture came from I was in um, I was 18 years old. That seems like a long time for me, but for you guys, it's like right now. Back <laughs> then, uh, I don't know. That seems like a great excuse to get a tattoo, but you guys are 18. You guys are doing great stuff. Um, yeah, so I got this tattoo and because um, I heard it once, and it's um, Hebrews 12, 5, 6, and I had no idea what it meant, but I got it because it sounded cool to me. And it's, um, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father, addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everybody he accepts as his son. And um, yeah, that has carried me a long way. And I think that might be my life first because um, not simply because of the rebuking and the chastening. As a lot of my teammates know, that's happened a lot, but that just comes with life. But um, looking at God as your father and knowing that everything that he does, even just right now, that he loves me and that he's my father and he cares for me and that deep, intimate relationship. Um, and I just would share two quick testimonies, um, two really dark times for me. Um, where I had to look at God as my father, or else I would not have came out on the other side. And um, the first one was when we first got there. It was about a month in. And um, I was dreaming a lot. Um, a lot of really strange dreams. Wasn't sleeping well. And um, I just... Well, as I was telling Baye here and Mackenzie... Um, thank you. Um, yeah, the old man, he wasn't dead yet. He was just in the closet. I hadn't buried him yet. So uh, he was in the closet. And I, I say, like, okay, like in a practical sense, even after I got saved, I was wilding out. I wilded out for a long time, even after I said, Jesus is Lord. And um, I, I did a lot of drugs, and I tried to forget a lot of the things that I did um, instead of actually being of a right mind and a sober mind and living for the Lord and then allowing him to bury that old man. And that never actually happened. And so one night I wake up um, very early in the morning and everything I ever did um, during that time just kind of came back to me so vivid. And I couldn't drop it. I couldn't go back to sleep. And um, stuff that I honestly, I forgot about. I didn't, I like I said, I wanted to forget. I wanted to 
put that behind me, and that wasn't the right way to do it. And so um, I woke up that morning, and I was really angry and upset, and uh, Zoan, my dog, came up to me, <laughs> and he said, and he knew, he knew something was up. He's like, what's up, man? I was like, I'm angry, and I walked off. <laughs> and, uh, and I walked into the room, you know, just to get away from him, and uh, wasn't sure what I was going to do yet. And um, he followed me, and he's like, hey, I just want to let you know what I read this morning, and... Uh, <laughs> and... Um, I don't even remember what he read that morning. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Uh, what I remember, though, is I felt the love, God's love, through my brother. And um, I just, I cried so violently, like I've never cried before. And people here, they'll testify. They weren't in the room, but they heard. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I say all that to say that during that time, it was really dark, and I wasn't sure why God was allowing all this stuff to come back. And I was like, God, I thought we had dealt with this. I thought this was over. And I thought we were moving forward. And I'm living for you. I'm out here in Uganda. I don't know what more do you want. And, um, <laughs> and you know, you wake up at 3 a.m., and you're just haunted by yourself. And I don't think there's anything scarier than yourself. And... Um, then the Lord began to heal me slowly after that when it all came up. and um, But through that, I had to really see God as my father. I couldn't just be like, okay, that's God, and this is the way this works, and this is the procedure, like an algorithm. I had to see God as my heavenly father that loved me so much that he wouldn't allow those things that I used to do to drag me down. And I didn't understand why. It had to be brought up, but now I see that it had to, and that it, that old man really had to be buried, not just thrown in the closet. Um, and then, so carrying forward, I know I'm about five minutes, so I almost died, like I said. And real quickly, I'm just looking at that seriously right now because I don't have all the answers, and I don't know. You know, right after it, it was um, it was upsetting to me. It was upsetting. I. I didn't think I could, my life could be that close like that. And, um, you know, he, like I said, I'm in Uganda, I'm serving God, I'm a good guy, look at me. And then you come back and then um, you wake up and they say, you know, you almost lost your life. So um, you have to look at God as your father at all times, no matter what, even when it doesn't make sense. Because right now I'm going through it again where... You don't know everything, why he does what he does, but you just have to say, you're my dad, and I love you. And um, I know you're doing this all for my good. And I can look back on all these things one day, that last day, and say that uh, he knew what he was doing, and I didn't, but I trusted him. So then I'll get some credit, too. That's it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jesse had malaria, and he actually qualified for a drug that is only stored in CDC warehouses that was flown into him. And they were telling us the requirements to get this drug um, brought to you, you have to meet like a page full of things. So, um, yeah, you were on your deathbed on many fronts. Um, 
and they flew you uh, a drug in to rescue you. So next up, number 10, Krista. Hi, guys. Um, I'm Krista Gilson, and I went to Costa Rica with Kate. Um, I'm going to start with a verse, Ephesians 6, 5 through 7. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men. This is a really cool verse to me because I am a people pleaser. <laughs> like, I love pleasing people. And God was teaching me, like, through this of my service is for the Lord, not for people. And, y'all, I didn't want to go to Costa Rica, just so you guys know. <laughs> like, I didn't want to go to Costa Rica as, at all. It's not exotic. It's not where everyone's going to be like, oh, my gosh, you went to Costa Rica, you know? Like, but... <laughs> Um, like God put me there because I needed to be humbled. Like I was very, very prideful. I'm this like really good Christian girl, like, you know, top of my youth group. I don't know if you call it that, but, (laughs) but like, no, like honestly, I really, (laughs) I really just needed to be humbled. And so God sent me to Costa Rica and, uh, there's no better place to be sent to than a vacation place where everyone's there on vacation. <laughs> but um, I was doing this work, and I was scraping chairs, scraping black mold off of chairs so they were white instead of gray, and, like, cleaning the kitchen twice a week and all this stuff. And I was asking God, what's the point of this? No one's seeing my work. No one's seeing me do this. What's the point? And he was like, Krista, this isn't for people. This isn't for what people see in you and this is for me and our leader said you guys if you're doing your work for man it's not anything if you're doing your work for god that's when it counts and so i started doing my work for god and i just saw this amazing joy of just like i was excited to do work i was like hey it's cleaning day like i get to listen to a sermon i get to like there was just something about like when i worked that i was just happy and excited and it was just super cool, and I realized it's because I was working for the Lord and not men. Um, and, yeah, and also that was teaching me, like, my ministry isn't mine, it's God's. But before, I was making it my ministry. So, like, when I was working in kids' ministry, it was, like, my lesson. It was my, it was my, it was my. But, like, after I leave, those kids aren't going to remember me. Like, it was my ministry. But if I put it in the hands of the Lord, he will use my, he will use like I'm in his ministry, so he will use that, and it lasts. So that's something I learned is my ministry won't last, but his will. And um, another thing that was super hard for me, though, was we couldn't work in the schools because there was a seven-month strike. So um, I was super excited to work in the schools, but it was super hard for me seeing, like, other countries working in the schools and all this stuff, and I was like, why can't I? But God taught me a lot more humility through that. And he also taught me to be content where he had me. And because I wasn't in the schools, I got to have a lot more Bible studies and a lot more discipleship than I would have ever, never gotten. And I also appreciated when I was with the kids even more. Like, um, there's this one kid, Kelly, and she would run up to me at church and stand right next to me at worship. And I would pick her up and we'd just be singing the songs together and she'd just stare at my face smiling. 
And, like, I appreciate that relationship so much more now because when I was with kids, I enjoyed it even more because I didn't have it as much. And so with all that, I, like, God really taught me to depend on him and not depend on myself. So it can't be my ministry. And I just want to close with 1 Corinthians 10, 12, because it was really something that punched me in the face. (laughs) Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And um, pride comes before fall. And God had to take me to Costa Rica to push my pride down so I can be humble before him. Now, it's easy to have two perspectives. She could have come back and said, you guys sent me there. Um, but she said, quote, uh, God sent me, end quote. And that's the right perspective. Two numbers came out, but 14. 14. Elise. Okay. We could phone her in, but um, next time. So number 12. That's why two numbers came out, I guess. Owen. Yeah. Hi, my name's Owen. And uh, I also went to Uganda. And I'm not on my phone. Got a Bible, so it's okay. Generation Z, that's how we roll. Um, (laughs) The lesson that I learned um, in my time in Uganda... um, goes back, I should start towards the beginning, I guess. Going into Ignite, I was a person who relied on me. Because um, I knew the answers. I knew this, I knew that. And I was pretty prideful and, and dumb in that way. Um, but going through training, going through um, the six months in the field in Uganda, the lesson that God taught me was that was from Psalms 18. And I'm just going to read the first, I think it's like the first four or five verses. Um, actually, verse six, hey. Uh, But verses 1 through 6 of Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. And it continues to go on to um, sort of cover God's reaction um, when his voice reached, when David's voice reached uh, his ears. And this is a Psalm of David, Psalm 18, when he's crying out to God in a time where he doesn't have anyone else to cry out to. And when David knows that he can't cry out to himself because he himself is not strong enough, when he can't cry out to who's on his right or his left because they are not his rock. They're not his salvation. They're not his refuge. And while I was in Uganda, um, I learned in all sorts of different ways (laughs) that there is not any time when I cannot cry out to my God who is my refuge. And there is not any time that I should cry out to anyone else for that reason. Um, And don't take it as like my brothers and sisters that I was with on the field. I went to them for counsel. I went to them Um, to talk to them about what I was going through, what was going on. Um, And we were together in that way. But I I couldn't look at them as my refuge. They aren't my refuge, God is. I'm not my refuge, God is. 
Um, and that's the biggest lesson that I learned on the field because I would be going through something and I wouldn't go to God as my refuge. I would, I would look to myself like I used to. I might look to one of my teammates and uh, I would end up falling. I would end up um, giving in to whatever stresses, whatever, whatever was going on. And then I would be sitting there afterwards thinking, why does it have to be so hard? And then God being like, well, because you, you look to you. You didn't look to me. That's why this is hard. Um, you need to look to me not after, but before, when you're going through it during and after. And all, at all times, there's not a time when I can't, when I shouldn't cry out to God as my refuge, as my fortress, and as my rock. And that was the biggest lesson that I got um, from the entire six months in Uganda and all of Ignite, really. So, praise the Lord. Good word. All right. Let's see who's next. 13. Maddie. I just witnessed, but <laughs> hi, my name is Maddie Higgins, um, and I went to Cambodia, and uh, before, like the day of commissioning, not commissioning, field assignments, uh, when we found out where we were going, Cambodia wasn't even a thought in my mind. Um, the Lord hadn't placed it on my heart, I didn't ask him about it, specifically for Cambodia, but um, once I heard where I was going and who I was going with, I knew that it was the Lord's will, and I... Still today, I can stand here and say that that was definitely what the Lord had, and I love my teammates. But um, I, when I was preparing this, I was, like, trying to figure out what would be a good story to, like, encourage, and, like, oh, maybe I could tell a story about how I looked into a kid's eyes and found what God wanted me to do with my life, or something, like, really <laughs> impactful or something, and, um, but the, the Lord led me to a different story to tell, and um yeah, so from Daniel 6, which is Daniel in the lion's den, um, basically the story altogether is what I'm talking about, but um, one verse in particular is 6.16, and it's, so the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions, but the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And um, in the middle of the last month of field time, it was my turn to teach kids club, and uh, I really didn't like teaching that much, if I'm honest. I'm not a great teacher. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, this was the story that he led me to. And I was like, okay, Daniel and Lyons then, cool. Like, they probably know that already, but we're going to do it anyways. And um, the whole time I was just praying that the Lord would teach me something through it that I could then teach from. Um, so that it wasn't just from my head. It wasn't just from something that I had read or something that I looked up or some lesson that I had printed out, but it was from my heart and something that I needed to know that I could then share with these kids. And um, originally I was going to teach like, oh, like God protects us. And like Daniel went into the lion's den, but the lions didn't bite, bite him or anything. And like he was fine because he trusted God. So he was protected. And um, my leader, Brittany, who a lot of you know and love, and she's great, but she encouraged me in that like um, I needed to change my application for that lesson because like what, what she said was, um, 
because rape still happens in the villages and cancer still comes and death still comes. And, um, that doesn't change that God is faithful. And uh, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So I, um, was praying about it again and my lesson changed more to like, like no matter what happens, no matter, um, what trials we have, that doesn't change God's faithfulness. And we always have, um, hope in the cross and that doesn't change that God's plans for our life are good. And, um, I was confused as to why that was what God was teaching me. I didn't like in that season particularly, like Cambodia was great. I loved Cambodia. And honestly, there wasn't really like a breaking down moment or like a big, like bang. But I think that was because that was what I was expecting, that that wasn't what the Lord did. Um, but when the, I, when I learned this lesson, I was like, but everything's like fine. Like, I, what do I have to like trust the Lord about? <laughs> like everything's going well. And, um, the day after I taught this lesson, I got a phone call from my mom and found out that she had breast cancer and that she was getting a surgery the next week. And it was stunning for sure. And there's like not really any way that you can truly be prepared for that, except just by knowing that it's going to come. Um, but the Lord truly did prepare me for that, to hear that. And he used Daniel in the lion's den, um, to teach me that. And yeah. I was going to say something else. Oh, but the phone call that, so I found out on FaceTime and the phone call that we had would not, like it didn't go in a way that I ever would have expected it to. And by the end of it, we were actually like, I don't know, it was me, my mom and Michaela. So we were all like laughing so hard by the end because someone said something funny that my teammate actually thought that we were watching funny videos. So the Lord (laughs) definitely, (laughs) the Lord definitely provided a peace through it and a joy through it and a comfort. And I knew that he had my mom in his hands and that he was in control and that no matter what happened, there actually was one day that I did break down about it. And I went to my teammates and I just remember thinking like, whatever brings the Lord glory, even if my mom dies, if if that brings the Lord glory, then that's okay. And uh, I really don't, uh, that's the Lord. Cause I could never come to that point by myself. But, um, one of the verses that while I was teaching this in kids club, I brought up was um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the plans that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that's about it. So. The word of God is living and active. Amen. And uh, by the way, her mom is Vanessa Higgins, who we have been praying for as a fellowship here. Uh, She used to fellowship with us and is now in Florida. So we just take this moment to remind all of us, keep praying for Vanessa and uh, a good recovery. So, number 17, justice. My name is Justice, and I served in Uganda. Um, I learned so many things, and I was so blessed being there. I loved it, but I just chose one thing to share, because I only have five minutes. Um, Romans 8, 1 through 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. 
Um, so throughout my time on the field, I had to be reminded again and again of the simplicity of the gospel because I'm very quick to overcomplicate and um, I try to reach God on my own and I have to be reminded that there's nothing I can do to get to God. It's only through Jesus. It's only through humbling myself and recognizing that I'm a sinner in need of grace. Um, So one way that he taught me this was in the classroom. I was a teacher's assistant in top class with five and six-year-olds. And one of the things I did in the classroom was help the kids with their classwork. Um, One day I was helping Alicia. Actually, most days I was helping Alicia. And um, (laughs) she didn't do very well. But um, We were doing math, and she... uh, seemed to be getting it. I was like helping her count and write her numbers and she was doing okay. So I took a break from helping her and I turned to Martha and when I come back to help Alicia, she's drawing big apples all over her notebook. And I'm like, Alicia, what are you doing? This is wrong. And immediately when I said that, she just like closed her eyes so tight and I just watched as her eyelashes filled with tears and she just started crying, like ugly crying, snot running. I was like, okay. I'm sorry, Alicia. We went outside. I was like, she needs to take a walk. We need a break. So we held our hands, and we just walked for a while until she stopped crying. And then I got down on her level, and I said, Alicia, it's okay that you're bad at math. You don't need to be good at it because I still love you so much, and God will love you no matter what. And then we went back to the classroom, And I helped her finish her math, but this time she wasn't overwhelmed or frustrated. She just trusted that I was going to help her do it. And uh, through that, I learned a lot about myself and that a lot of times I set standards for myself. I make my faith into a checklist, into a law, and then when I come up short, which I will, because I'm making these rules in the flesh and I'm going to fail in the flesh. I condemn myself and beat myself up, feeling like I'm not good enough to be accepted by God. Um, Which is true, I'm not good enough, but I never needed to be good enough um, because of Jesus. Um, In Uganda, I learned what it looked like to finally relinquish control and Stop trying to climb over the wall to get to God and just go through Jesus, go through the door. Um, He took all my shortcomings, all my guilt because of my failures, and he took it to the cross. Um, Now all I have to do is repent and go through the door and walk into the fullness of what the Lord has for me, and the rest is going to follow. Our faith isn't complicated. It's a childlike faith, and I got to see that a lot in Uganda. I would go into the chapel every Thursday, and all the kids, including Alicia, would just be praising God. And um, in Uganda, I really learned to have freedom in Jesus, Um, and I'm so thankful for my team and for the people that I met there. So, yeah. Amen.
All right. Could go either way. Number five. Jesse M. I even have my number. I just brought my Bible up here to look cool. Um, <laughs> there are a few verses that I want to share with you. Um, probably, I probably won't turn to them or quote them directly because that'd take really long. There are a lot. But um, I would say, yeah, a lot of us, uh, we sort of faced a lot of self while we were in Uganda and had to really cut it off. I've noticed, um, well, everybody was coming up here speaking that uh, I was looking to myself and God was just telling me, look at me, look at me. Listen, you don't have to pay attention to yourself or your failures. You just have to look at me and my perfection and I'll guide you through it. So I just want to share... In James 1, 2 through 4, it says that um, my brethren, uh, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and then let patience have its perfect work because it produces patience. And in Romans 5, 1 through 5, it says um, we can glory in tribulation because it produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. So patience has a perfect work. Perseverance produces hope. Our hope is what we focus on. It's our motivation. And um, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25, Paul is uh, talking about a race. He's talking about a race that we have to run. And he's explaining, you have to run in such a way that you're looking to the prize to win it. You want to win that prize. That has to be your focus completely while you're running this race. Not on the people around you, not on the other people running, because they'll be running on a different track, not on the cloud of witnesses that are watching you. It says that in Hebrews, um, which I'll get to. Um, and in Philippians uh, 3.14, I'm trying to remember this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, Verses 1 through 3, it's talking about we have a great cloud of witnesses and that um, we have to focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, setting our eyes on Jesus, because he, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And even beyond that, I would say he, he faced separation from God, which is something that we will never have to experience because of that so long as we endure. And I was reading through Revelation for, for one of my, uh, or for both of my on the mounts. <laughs> Sorry. I was reading through Revelation, and one of the things that kept popping out to me was all the times he said, to those who overcome, and this is the patience of the saints. And it's just the Lord telling me I have to be patient with all the things that, that are going on, I have to be patient with all the struggles that I go through. Um, and this is for all of us. Because if I keep looking to myself, I'll keep remembering my failures and all the past that has pretty much ruined every hope and future that I could ever conceive. But God is faithful to redirect and to put us back on a path that gives glory to him. So that's what I learned.
We, uh, we all need that reminder of getting over ourselves. So thank you, Jesse and Team Uganda, for being so faithful to remind us of that. So number four. I think this. Oh, Feely. Uh, my name is Ophelia. I went to Uganda. And a verse that the Lord gave me is in Psalms 62, verses 5 through 8. And it says, Let all that I am, let, sorry, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O oh, my people, trust in Him at all times. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And during my field time, um, God just reminded me a lot that he's my refuge. And um, that there was, there's a lot of spiritual darkness around us in our field time. But through it, through it all, God just um, showed me that he's the one fighting my battles for me. And that all I have to do is just um, wait before the Lord to be still and let him do the fighting for me. I had to take a step back um, to let go of control and just trust in the Lord. And he always showed up. Um, the Lord is faithful. And it was humbling to see that God didn't need me to do any of the fighting. He never did because he was the one that was always in control. And he showed me um, that he's still faithful even in the midst of all the trials that I go through. He took what was meant for evil and turned it for the good every time. And um, God has always been working on my behalf. And there was never a moment that he wasn't moving and he heard my prayers. Um, and in, in him, I was able to find comfort and strength and refuge. And the enemy couldn't reach me. But rather, in Jesus, I could find victory. Um, when I keep my eyes focused on the Lord, rather than what's around me or the circumstances, I will not be shaken because he's my firm foundation. He taught me to keep my eyes above the waves, above the circumstances, and to trust in him at all times, and not to trust in my own strength or um, knowledge. I had to trust that God would protect me, that he's fighting for me, um, that he goes before me, he guides me. And um, when I find myself trusting the Lord rather than trusting in myself, I just find overwhelming peace. And I just find strength in letting go of control and giving the steering wheel to God where it truly belongs. I was just uh, reminded, because um, Ophelia was just listing off promise after promise about who God is. Um, and we have so many promises in the Lord and uh, they're ours. He's promised them to us. What an awesome thing that is. So, Okay. Number 15. Colton. Okay. My name is Colton Fowler. I serve in Uganda with these wonderful people. <laughs> Actually, though, um, long story short... Uh, Jesus. <laughs> In all seriousness, Jesus really is 
the answer and growing up in church that gets very mundane, very old, very quickly and very cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. And so going through Ignite really taught me that I, well, for one, I don't know everything. That's an obvious thing (laughs) that I should have known. But like going into classes, hearing a lot of the same stuff that I heard growing up in growing up in church, and it, I had to humble myself and and like realize that I need to hear these things again and again and again because they're true, and I don't always believe them to be true, or I don't always apply them. It's a lot of head knowledge, and I it's took ignite to do a lot of the data transfer from head to heart. Um, and I, I came because I knew, I knew that it was a good thing to go to Ignite. It wasn't like some crazy thing, God's calling you to Ignite. But it was something I knew would be good for me. But I don't think at the beginning I threw my whole heart into it. But I just thought it'd be something that would help me be a better person or grow more or whatever. And then... You're on the field three months in serving, and then you have a great day, and then you go home, and you're an idiot, and you're mean to your whole class, and yeah, and you realize that you are still a dirty, rotten sinner, (laughs) but saved by grace. Um, But yeah, a a lot of reminders that just Jesus really is the answer, God is God's the answer, but um, my verse is Luke 22, uh, 35 through 36, and I'm kind of having some liberty with my interpretation, but the verse says, and he said to them, Jesus, when I sent you out without money belts and bag and sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? And they said, no, nothing. And he said to them, but now whoever has money has has a money belt is to take it along likewise also a bag and whatever and whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one and uh, I read this towards the end of my field time and the way I looked at it was that a lot of my time spent on the field and a lot of my high school years was just me kind of going through the motions, and I wasn't being, um, I can't think of the word, but I wasn't being active in my relationship with the Lord. I wasn't picking up the sword when God saw me pick up a sword, and towards the end of my field time, God's like, you need to pick up a sword, because yeah, you trust me with some of your life, but you need to trust me with the rest of it, and you need to fight, you need to fight this battle you're in that you aren't fighting with all your heart. And so just I learned that this relationship we're in with our God, you get what you put into it. And I can see that definitely with my field time is I got what I put into it. And the first half I didn't put much in, but... I learned that 
I learned quickly that, well, not obviously not quickly. It took me f- five months, but <laughs> I learned that you 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 have to fight, and it sometimes sucks. It's hard, and we're not promised it to be easy, but we're called to not be passive, but we're called to we're called to pick up a sword, and we're called to fight, and we get what we. We get what we put into it. So. The longy shorty, Jesus. Well said, Cole. So, is Jordan in here? Jordan Cole. Okay, that was for you. So, okay. Hoping you're here. Um, also, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. So. James 4 8. All right. Number 20. Katie. Hello, my name is Kate, and I went to Costa Rica with Krista. Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you guys. I did not want to go to Costa. I actually cried myself to sleep the night I heard I was going there. And now coming back from it after six months, I can truly say with confidence that this was where God wanted me to be. And I'm truly thankful and just grateful for just being there and getting that time to just really have that foundation of faith that I've been praying and desiring for all my life. So the verse I'm sharing with you guys is Psalm 32, 8 and 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with brit and brittle, else they will not come near to you. So this is such a great verse, and this is like, this is what brought me through my whole entire field time. And I just love how it says that I will instruct you and teach you and the way that you should go. So if God has a desire to, for you to go, then you should go, whether it's dangerous, crazy, unexciting, exciting, or just right around the corner, go because he will never leave you and he has never left you. So as children, we must obey and we have to respond wholeheartedly. And something God has been really teaching me is to be, to like serve wholeheartedly and not half-heartedly. And that he has been correcting me in that. Because sometimes I'm like, yeah, let's do this wholeheartedly. And then sometimes I am, have thoughts I need to, to like check myself when I serve and do things. So when God says go, be, be obedient. And, and his word and his voice is... And the unknown is scary. It is terrifying to go into the unknown. But I encourage everybody to go into the, un- into the unknown and see what you're capable of in the Lord and through the Lord. And this is what God's been really teaching me is that the unknown is terrifying and it's scary to go. But once you go, it's just amazing to see what God can do through that. And, and going into the unknown, I have to cry out every morning to the Lord saying that I can't do anything by myself. That I need someone who will never fail me, me, and that I need you. So trust me, I try to do everything on my own or by myself, and I fail every single time. And I know that I need something greater, bigger, and stronger than I will ever be. So I I always find myself in a bottom pit of a pit, and I try everything in my own power to get out. I am on the bottom screaming and yelling and trying to get up all on my own, 
But then I truly know that I just need to scream for the Lord. And he is always there and he's just waiting for me to say his name and that he will be there for me. So in this verse it says that the horse is, it says, Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding. And God has been teaching me through that because I am the horse. I am stubborn and I don't know, and I know that I can do what God can't. I, I think that I can do what God can because I think I'm strong enough and I feel myself. And as humans, we think that we can do everything by ourselves and our own strength, but we don't need anybody and nothing, that we are just A-OK and we have no control over our lives. But that's a complete lie that I tell myself every single day because through this, I know how much I need God and how grateful I am that he has saved me from that well. So, God is good. (laughs) Going into the fear of the unknown. I was thinking about Pastor Mike talking about getting people to jump off the rock at Finger Lakes. And they're so afraid of doing it, but once they do, they ask the question as they pop up, um, or the thought comes across their mind, you know, why have I not been doing this for longer? Um, They, in that moment, realize what they've been missing out on, and that their whole life they should have been uh, jumping off cliffs. (laughs) Okay, we have a blank piece of paper. And we have one with a number on it. Should be the last one of you. Okay. Then the last one of you will be the missing number, which is the blank piece. So you're really in there. But number nine. Number nine. Okay. Hello. I need a stool. Okay. You called me short? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, amen. Okay, lost my spot. Okay, um, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I can't fucking do it. Okay, still can't find it, but anyways, um, going through training was one of the hardest seasons of my entire life. Um, I realized then that I definitely didn't believe in God like I thought I did, and that God was not as real to me like I thought he was, and um, that my faith was very small. And um, during training, I was walking through the horse barn. And I read the verse on the wall, and it was Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, and I'm going to read twenty seven too. But um, and it says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And um, that during training was a promise from God for field time, really, because it wasn't really. F- fulfilled until field time but like i needed cambodian oh sorry my name's mckenzie and i went to cambodia (laughs) um yeah so in cambodia 
I realized that I needed Cambodia more than Cambodia needed me. And um, the Lord really used that to reveal himself to me um, after a season of not even believing that he was real. And that was really hard. And the Lord promised that he was going to give me a heart of flesh, and he did. And um, one specific example um, was I was teaching, and it was in Kempot, which is the new location. And um, we were talking about who was going to teach, and Britt was like, well, some of, one of us has to teach. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll teach. I literally had no idea. I was just like, I think I should teach, so I'm, I'm going to teach. And it was about creation. And um, the Lord really used that in my life a lot because he has been using his creation for the last nine months to speak volumes to my heart about who he is and how real he is. And um, he used that lesson to to teach me a lot and just being able to stand up in front of a bunch of kids who are very new to the Bible um, and to teach that lesson and to watch them sit there in complete silence with their mouths open was amazing because I knew it was the Lord and I knew he was um, speaking through me and that he was teaching a lesson to them that I needed to hear myself and that will definitely forever stick with me and one of the verses that I used in the teaching was Acts, if I can find it, Acts 17, um, the passage is 24 through 29. It says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by human, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being." As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. And for us, we're not really used to all of the idols and the temple houses and everything, but in Cambodia, that's very real. And that is what they put their hope in. And um, the Lord just used those verses for me, to be able to say those out loud to kids and believe them was amazing. To be able to say that with full confidence that in God we live and move and have our being. And to know that God is real and that he loves me is is just a testimony to what he did in my life in Cambodia. Honestly, I was, Pastor Steve said it best, Jesus was a part of my life before, but now he is my life. So... Praise the Lord. <laughs> a, a verse uh, hanging up on the barn wall. I started laughing inside because I thought about all the things that um, all of us leaders and teachers throw at you guys to lead you to the Lord. <laughs> and uh, he, he uses... Um, the, the smallest things, but it is the word of God, and that's where the power lies. And uh, even on a 
picture frame hanging on the wall. Um, so praise God, glory to God. And I think that leaves Bay because you did not have a number. I'm remembering now. You forgot yours, but Bay is up. All right. Um, first, I'm going to have to do a little seconds. Um, I don't really know how to work this thing, but um, well, my name is Bay, and I went to Cambodia. And yeah, my teammates, I'm so proud of you. I'm sorry, I have to. I'm so proud of you guys. I love you guys very much. And um, yeah, so first. The Lord used one of the most menial and very small situations to really bring me to the end of myself during field time. And me and Kenzie were picking Maddie's head for lice for about the millionth time. And <laughs> listen, in Cambodia it happens. You kids get really close to your head in the schools. But um, we just had really bad lice for like a month, and this was in January. And I was like, oh, Kenzie... Like, it's very small and very tedious, and you have to just take it strand by strand, and knits are very small, and you can't really see them. And um, I asked Kenzie, I was like, Kenzie, I cannot find this knit. I saw it, I promise, but I just need fresh eyes, and I can't see it anymore. And um, do you ever just say those things in, like, random conversation that, like, you're like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what has happened to me? And um, so... Yeah, I started getting used to the repetition of things because during our... Cambodia is very crazy. <laughs> we would have very busy weeks, and two days we were in the school. The rest of the week we were in the province. Saturdays were usually we were at youth group, and then Sundays we would do children's ministry at the church. And so it was very busy, but also at the same time very... Like, you just got used to you got used to things. And I loved Cambodia. I still love Cambodia very much, and I loved what we... I, yes, I love Cambodia very much, but... Um, what I didn't see was how I wasn't looking to the Lord as the love of my life. And I was falling in love with the work rather than falling in love with Jesus. And I asked the Lord at the beginning of field time, Jesus, I have had so many loves of my life, honestly. Like, I've honestly, the main one was myself. And I loved myself for a really long time before I loved Jesus. And um, so I was talking to Brittany in um, one of the books of the Bible that in training that really the Lord used a lot was Hosea, thanks to leadership from here. And um, Hosea 6.3 says, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. And he's going out as, as, sure as, as sure as the dawn, and he will come. I cannot read. My Bible is so small. I'm so sorry. Um, I can't read. I'm also, I'm not really good at public speaking, but you know what? The Lord's called us to do things sometimes that we're not really think that we're good at. So... Um, <laughs> Let us know and let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn, and he will come to us as the showers and as spring rains that water the earth. And I have, I don't really know where this is from, but this was written in the sidelines, and it says, <laughs> Whether our faithfulness takes us to the ends of the earth or leaves us right where we are, remember that he's really after us. And I don't know, like I just really started falling in love. I was like looking at things other than Jesus is my end. And I don't, I read a lot, I love reading, but we read this book, We Would See Jesus on the Field, and it happened to be at the ranch house. And I was like, the Lord used chapter 8, and the title is Seeing Jesus as Your End. And I didn't really for a long time. And I was like, Lord, I want you to become the love of my life, but I just don't know how. And so it says, the reason for getting right should not be that we might have revival or power or being used of God, or having this, or having that blessing, but that we might have him. And 
it goes on to say, like, you have, like, sin that you need to let go of. And honestly, I just need to let go of myself. I need to let go of what I wanted. And I need to let go of what I thought might happen in the future, what I thought might not. And I needed to let go of that I was so in love with Cambodia and so in love with the work we were doing there. And just, like, I loved my team. Like, it was hard, yes, but, like, it was a good season, and it was a really good season. But um, I just needed to be in love with Jesus. And I needed to be reminded of that, even in the simplest things, that sometimes we need fresh eyes to see things that we don't normally see. And that was a knit that needed to be taken out of even the smallest bit of hair. And that it's just, I need to be more in love with Jesus and less in love with what I thought I needed to be in love with. So, yeah, that's my... You want to say something? Okay. Well done, you guys. You calling me small? Oh, short. So, um, yesterday, I was, um, first of all, I have Krista and my wife the whole time looking at me. Every time you got, it's like they're both hitting me like this. Are you listening? I mean, I'm listening, you know. So, yesterday, I'm... Um, I'm in uh, in Vancouver, Washington, and I'm sitting in a in a, a real estate developer's office that oversees a zillion dollars worth of property and hotels, and uh, talking to him about um, a lease on a mudman in Vancouver. And the gentleman uh, is a radical. The owner is a radical born again Christian that comes out of a, a family that um, very prominent in Southern California. And uh, yet his company is a business, you know, uh, for profit. And so not everybody that works in his company are believers. And so we went in the conference room and uh, as we sat down, he only was able to spend a few minutes and he got to express and explain who we are and had been watching the touring ministry for a while, 20 years or so. And, um, and that we have our Mudman truck on the lot, and uh, they're considering to do a bricks and mortar to take one of these buildings uh, or these um, spaces. And um, half of the people in the room had tried a burger, and the other half hadn't. The other ones don't really know who we are and what we do. So as Ryan left, he said, look, i got to head to my meeting. Mike, give them a minute and tell them what you guys do. And I got to tell him, I said, there's 10 people right now that are just over the age of 20 and some right under 26, 27, I'm not sure. And there's 400 that have come through a program over the last 17 years. And uh, right now, those seven people or five, six people that are in the rain over there cooking hamburgers are over there. And there's another four locations in Montana. Uh, and then there are supporters all over the United States that are supporting young individuals to take a year off their life to go spend time seeking the things of God for their life. And we do that by evacuating them out of an environment that's incredibly noisy, full of 
all kinds of distractions and they end up in Uganda and they end up in Cambodia and Costa Rica. And as I'm telling the story, I said, but the most amazing part about all of it is that the, those who've been through the program are the only ones that are actually can actually work for us because it's part of a program that you have to have gone to the field. So what you're witnessing out here and what we're going to do is that we're going to allow the people that have already gone who come back that are also raising resources so they can send the next group of people. And you can see this connection starting to happen and tears start welling up in the eyes of everybody in the room. And I said, and it's filled with passion and emotion and purpose. And it's giving these young men and women the first time many times in their life a win where they actually came someplace where they wanted to come, parent made them come, or whatever reason got there. When they got there, they didn't know why they were there. But when they leave, and we're going to find out that all of them who went that will share this next week will have a relationship with the Lord that might not have happened had they not been obedient. But the most amazing part is that others are doing their part. And as I started to share about what we do and who we are, they literally started to share with me. They'd never seen or witnessed anything like it. So to fly back last night and to be here tonight and to sit and listen to what God did, let me say that to you, that Jesus did in you. Not Ignite, not Potter's Field, but what Jesus did. Because you guys said yes. Let me tell you, spiritual fortune is measured when you have spiritual boldness. And boldness requires faith to step off a cliff. Oftentimes the people who have the problem are those who are afraid to step off the cliff. And one thing for sure is God gave you the boldness and the faith to step off the cliff. This is not your last jump. This is your first of many. First of many. I'm so proud of each and every one of you, but I don't think there's anyone in the room here tonight that got ministered to like I did. Because some days it just gets really hard and it really is, Lord, are we making a difference? I can only say that all of you said it in some way, shape, or form. It really does come down to the one thing that's the most important. It's each one of our personal relationship with the Lord. And there really is nothing that we can do that's going to cause him to love us any more than he already does. And there's nothing we're going to say. It's going to cause him to love us any more than he does. Because he is love and he loves us. And he knows the hairs on our head. And each day of our life has been written down before one ever came to be. Nothing has taken him by surprise. And for all of you and all of us that are all in different places. His plan and his promise has always been the same. It's exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything you can hope for or imagine. And I can put an asterisk to it, even if you don't believe it. You see, I got to a place this last four months. I don't have to believe it. God said it. I don't have to believe it. It settles it. Putting my equation in there, if I believe it or not, is not even part of it. 
It was a lot of fun sharing a witness of what you guys are and what others are doing so you get to grow in where you're going with him. Is it worth it? All the way to the cross. And for the team that's here, thank you. When I walk out of this sanctuary tonight, I'm going to call Columbia Falls and I'm going to put everyone on the speaker. I'm going to thank them for what they allowed each and every one of you that they got couldn't be here tonight to hear. And then I'm going to come call the trailer down at the hotel. I'm going to ask Noah to put me on the speaker. I'm going to thank everybody in the trailer. And then I'm going to call Vancouver. And I'm put everybody on the speaker because they couldn't be here tonight to hear what God did. And then I'm going to call the hut. And then tomorrow I'm going to write an email to every one of our supporters and thank them. Because they weren't here tonight to hear what Jesus did in each one of your lives. Why? It takes Jesus to do what they do consistently every day, every moment of the day. So others can experience him. That's how it works. Paying it forward. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we studied the word this evening. If you would like more information about Sela Fellowship please visit us on the web at salafellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.